who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know, You'll see what they show up for, and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show, hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin is available wherever you get your podcasts. I got very drunk this last Christmas, and apparently I just kept going up to her on Christmas Eve in front of her whole family, like they voted for Trump and everything, and just kept going, kiss me in front of your family. <laughs> Oh my god. Like repeatedly. <laughs> they better see some tongue yeah. around. And then I like sober up the next day. I'm like, walk five steps behind. Yeah. <laughs> I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out, diking out, diking out, diking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that has the love and support of the queer community that Pete Buttigieg can only dream of. I'm Carolyn Bergier. And I'm Melody Kamali. And today we are diking out with comedian Rita Brent about internalized homophobia. In addition to being a very funny comedian, Rita is a Jackson, Mississippi native, a veteran, and a musician. And she's also appeared on True TV and Comedy Central. Rita, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So glad that you are here and also so glad that you're going to be performing on our show at Stonewall on Monday, February 24th. Yes, thank you for the reminder, but yeah. I have it in my calendar. I have it in my calendar. <laughs> good, good, good. Uh, I saw Rita perform last week for the first time and immediately creeped on her on Instagram <laughs> and asked her to do our Stonewall show. Some other comedians that are going to be on the lineup are Carrie Caudette, Anna Dresden, Pamela Ross, Jay McBride, Kendall Payne. So it's going to be a stacked lineup. Come out to that. Tickets are on sale now at dikingout.com slash events. So Rita, so excited that you live in New York now. Yes, thank you. I've been here about three months and uh, I'm almost out of money. Yeah. It's a rite um, of passage. Yeah. 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 Like $60 brunch. That is insane <laughs> to me. I'm telling folks like, yo, like $60 back home in Mississippi will give me two acres and a mule and <laughs> right. some other stuff. <laughs> hey, this is crazy. But I'm loving it. The grind is real here. Yeah. <laughs> when I first moved here, I was writing down how much I was spending every day. And after a week, I had to stop because it was so depressing. Oh. I mean, part of it is like, you know, you just move and there are things that you need to buy that you you know, either left behind or whatever. But still, it's like every time I leave my apartment, I feel like I lose $50. I'm just like, how? Yeah, you can't yeah. leave your apartment, it feels like, without spending money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when I first moved here, I was not, I was reckless. Like every day was like a celebration. Like, I can't believe I moved to New York City. Let's celebrate yeah. tonight, tomorrow night, the night after that. <laughs> right. You know, different routes around yeah. getting broke in New York, but you'll you'll end up there. Uber. And Uber is one of those routes. I just oh, yeah. checked oh. my Uber spending in January and it was $531, Whoa, which I yeah. was told is low. 
because I'm I know a comedian friend of mine who spent four thousand dollars on Uber in one month. Oh my month. god! And I'm like, what 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 kind of Uber are you getting? Like the Uber Jet? Like that's insane. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> that's insane. Four thousand dollars. But, that is insane. Yeah, so 531, and I told my fiancé, I said, yo, that's way too high. We are taking the train. Yeah. Period. Yeah. That was my New Year's resolution, or one of them, to stop Ubers and Lyfts. But if you have to use one, there's one called Via that's usually cheaper because less people know about it. Yeah, try to take the train. <laughs> so I've heard. Yes. I've heard about Via. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah, the, the Lyft stuff adds up, and I, I try not to ride it, and then I got... They'll always, like, hook you up with promotions if you haven't done it in a while, mm-hmm, but, like... Mm-hmm. The math never works, but my wife is always trying to convince me to do a car. And she's like, well, a car would only be like this much more. I'm like, yes, it's still more. Like, it's still, we already have, the subway is free. We have passes. And it's I mean, faster. After you paid for the passes. Yeah. There was like a big protest. What was it? Last weekend in New York of people like graffitiing the subways and like jumping, um, over, the jumping over the turnstiles, trying to, I mean, fighting the ticketing of people who aren't paying to get on. Um, yeah, I don't know when that happened, but the influx of police at the subway stations is unreal yeah. lately. I saw that Elsa Waith, who's been a guest on the podcast before, she was arrested and then they released her because she demanded that she had a female officer search her and they didn't have any on hand. So they wow. just released her. Good I mean, I think know. they were arresting so many people, but yeah, that's a good a good tip. But I and I know that that she's gotten a, a ticket for fare evasion too, and it's nuts. Like, and they're like in plain like plain clothes. Oh, really? Officers that are sneaky. Yeah, because I always yeah. still sometimes like I forget my card at home and jump the turnstile. Right. There are people around, but they could be officers. Yeah. No, they are definitely definitely plain clothes officers and people who like do not look like they would be officers. Like you're just like, wait, what? That person. So what do they do? You get arrested or? No, you get a ticket for like $250. And it's like people are, people are evading the fare because they can't afford it. And yeah. now you're slapping them with a $250 ticket. It's just like. Yeah, that's counterproductive. Yeah. <laughs> like now I'm definitely not going to pay. Right. keep jumping. <laughs> right, right. So the priorities of New York City, because I don't think fare evasion really bothers. I, I've never heard another New Yorker complain about people who jump the fare. You know, it's like if you have the money, good for you. If you don't, like swipe people in and until de Blasio fixes the subways and stops like directing all the funding that's supposed to go towards that. I read there's this New York Times article oh, about is that how it works. Why? I've been blaming Cuomo for it. <laughs> oh, you know what? Maybe it was him. Um They blame each other. Yeah. New York mm. politics is a whole thing in and of itself. It should stay free until it uh works. Until I was it works. stuck yeah. at a station for like 40 minutes last night trying Ooh. to get home. No clue why. Just like, and they try to announce it and you could never, I never hear words when right. they make the announcements, right? Right. thing you hear is, stand clear of the closing doors, please. Other than that, it's just yeah. like, okay, we're going to this train. And you're like, what? Yeah, yeah. Are you what gargling you right now? <laughs> is this awful. mouthwash? You know, New York, I don't know, like a year ago, they made an effort to be more transparent about why the train was being held. But then it got kind of alarming because it it used to just be like the trains delayed because of whatever, a signal failure or something. But now it's like, uh, we're a little bit held right now because there is somebody with a weapon on the train in front of it. And you're like, mm-hmm. wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, there, there's like suspected terrorism. And you're like, oh, holy sh! like. Just tell me we're delayed. <laughs> Go right. back to the old stuff. I don't want to <laughs> yeah. know. I don't want to be sitting in this car thinking it's going to explode at any point. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. The the anxiety of living in New York, I would say, is higher than most places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was one thing I noticed when, when I moved here. I'm just noticing people are kind of rude and they bump you and they walk by and don't say anything. Mm. And like at home, like, all right, it's time to fight. But like <laughs> people are walking so fast, you don't have time to catch them and fight them. You yeah. know, it's like, Yo, who bumped me? <laughs> like by the time I turn around, you know, it's like they're lost in the sauce. But yeah, that's a little different for me. The, yeah. the bumping and the rudeness. The rudeness. I, I don't yeah. like it at all. Yeah. We can be pretty rude as a city. <laughs> Yeah, weren't we just talking about that um, on the last episode? We're like, are they really friendlier down south or are they more nosy? But <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. The difference between Southerners, yeah, I couldn't tell if they're actually nicer. I think they just like to 
know people's business. Yeah, like if some older lady shows up on your porch with a sweet potato pie, like she don't want to welcome you to the neighborhood. Like, yeah. <laughs> she's trying to see who's in the house, yeah. you know. Yeah. She's, <laughs> she's looking around. around over your shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's covert things happening in the South. Yeah. Masked yeah. as hospitality. Yeah. I did remember <laughs> when I went to my parents' new neighborhood when they moved down there and was driving around and just anybody who was outside would wave to you. And that was a new thing for me. Oh, yeah. My parents mm-hmm. are down like right at the bottom of South Carolina now, like close to Savannah. Everybody waves yep. when you're driving down the street. I'm not used to that. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Connecticut. Everybody says hello. Yeah. Like it's a thing. (laughs) Being a courteous human, speaking to other people. Mind blowing. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Right. You know, if you are racking up a big lift bill, I think that just means you're doing a lot of spots. A lot of comedy spots. It's good, right? But you're spending the money you're making. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, like I made you make ten, it. Yeah, if you make it. <laughs> That's another new thing probably in New York that you haven't experienced is that most shows don't pay. Don't worry, Stonewall does, but Yeah, that shows. was a surprise to me. Uh, <laughs> the no pay and I thought, okay, well I want to get the exposure. And then right. once I did get offered pay, it was like, Hey, the pay is ten dollars and a drink. Yeah. And I was like, Hey bro, you missing a zero. He's like, No. Nah. <laughs> It's ten dollars in a drink. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god, how yeah. are you supposed to survive like this? Yeah. So I just travel. Yeah. I travel and perform. Right. Right. Yeah. You That's have what to, you have to do. Yeah. You have to get out of the city to make money. I'll go back to Chicago for a week and make more money in that week than I had my first year here. Yeah. <laughs> Even on bar shows, there they pay you like a good amount. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the most I ever made was maybe my first year doing stand up, and I went back to Buffalo, and did a show and because like so many people from my high school came out, the door was so high and they knew that I brought them all out. So they just gave me the majority of the door. Nice. And I was like, wow, yeah, I need to be doing shows in Buffalo all the time. <laughs> I go to Buffalo a lot, but I don't like performing there because all of my high school comes out. Oh God. No. Yeah. <laughs> I still haven't done comedy in Connecticut for yeah. that reason. Yeah, the whole state. <laughs> Just to cover my bases. Yeah. No um people from high school. <laughs> I know, please. I know comedy in Connecticut is a thing, but for some reason I'm like, mm. yeah, I'm from the Hartford area and it's all that's where the scene is, I Yeah, think. yeah, all the clubs and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be there soon uh in oh, yeah? Connecticut at the Mohegan Sun Casino. Yeah, that's, oh, that's a yeah. big one. Yeah, performing with Cedric the Entertainer. So I'll oh, get, that's sweet. Get some time there. So, wow. So maybe you, you guys can let me know how I should prepare to perform in Connecticut. Yeah, what are some tips? Connecticut, well, that's a d- whole different room, and that's uh, going to be fun. Okay, like, it's okay. not going to be like a snobby kind of room in West Hartford, Connecticut. Like, yeah. people come out who like comedy, I think, to that room. Yeah. And I saw your, I looked up your comedy um, and was watching it, and I think you're good to go. Thank like, you. Like, you are, yeah. you got the jokes for that room. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. They'll like you. Cool. <laughs> cool advice, Mel. Yeah. Be thanks. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's excellent advice, though. <laughs> yeah. I gotta you know, remember. that's probably something I need to hear because yeah. anywhere I go, I'm like, ooh, who should I be now? <laughs> yeah. And that's what one thing I'm learning. Like, yeah. trying here is that I, I can't forget who I am and try too hard to adjust to the style here in New York because I yeah. see myself doing that sometimes. Like, well, maybe I need to write like that or maybe I need to have content like that. And I'm like, well, that's not who made me who I am and that's not how I got here in the first place. So yeah, be yourself and stay true to yourself. Yeah. Yeah, because then, then you'll just start to blend in and get less and less mm-hmm. noticeable. Yeah. Some of the things that you talked about in your comedy when I saw you last week or, well, Melody and I saw you last week. And we just kept looking at each other and nodding. And being like, mm, yes. Yes. Next guest. <laughs> a, new, a new queer yeah. and the comedy scene. <laughs> Let's bring her in. You talk a lot in your set about your past in the military. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I was like, oh my God, our listeners are going to love because we have a lot of listeners who are veterans or active duty and in wow. different countries too, like um, in Canada. Mm-hmm. I know we have people serving. And that kind of, I think, between that and growing up in Mississippi leads us into our topic for today, which is the very fun internalized homophobia. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> You know, it's a topic that we've had people write in about before with questions or talking about their own struggles with that. And I used to think like, oh, you know, that's never been a thing for me. And then realizing 
that it is. And part of internalized homophobia is sometimes you don't realize that you're doing it. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the point. <laughs> um, well, I think the the idea of something being internalized is that it's just conditioning over the years and you don't realize it until somebody calls it out. Yeah. And so that's what I've tried to do as a Mississippian, you know, a place where LGBTQ are discriminated against, uh, not very welcome. You know, we had that case where the the cake maker wouldn't bake a cake for the gay couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a church didn't want a gay couple to get married there. You know, we have those kind of landmark cases and things like that you're taught religiously. You just internalize them mm-hmm. and you think they're right. You never question them until it's somebody close to you, you know, that is dealing with a thing. And then you have to choose between, okay, well, am I going to trust my religion or am, am I going to trust this, this person that I know? Yeah. So that's what's been happening with me and people in my life. It's like, okay, I know this is what the Bible says. I know about the heaven and hell and abomination, but this is Rita. Yeah. Do I think Rita's going to hell? You know, so yeah. they have to confront it at some point. Because you grew up in the church, like heavily in the church, right? Yeah, like I'm a, I'm a drummer, I'm a musician, so I've been in the church since I was a very small girl. And my mother is a piano player, so she and I have been playing together for 20-something years. So I have been in the church, and it has, you know, for a long time, it just determined the way I live. Even mm-hmm. though I knew what I felt on the inside was mm-hmm. not, you know, based on what the Bible was, Adam and Eve and all that. I'm like, okay, I know this is what the Bible says, but this isn't what I feel. This is not what feels natural to me. Right. You know, it's not about, for me, it doesn't feel like an Adam and Eve situation, you know. Right. But it took me a while to resolve and get to that point where I started talking about it and embracing who I felt like I really was. Because of what religion, I was scared. Like, oh, like if I embrace who I feel like I really am, then I'm going to hell. And I don't yeah. feel like that anymore. I just, I just don't. I think that's where a lot of it comes. I mean, for a lot of people who grew up religious and even me growing up Catholic, you know, Catholicism, it never feels like as intense, I feel like as other mm-hmm. uh, as other religions. And I seem to be in a more progressive church than most. But still, it's like it's drilled into your your head that that's just like not right. And you assume that you can't be both things. You can't be religious and gay or that how you feel is like bad, like all these other things in the same pool of all these other things that you are taught are bad. And then on top of it, because a lot of people tend to like cherry pick the the sins that they condemn, mm-hmm. homosexuality yeah. is always at the top there. Like that will be cherry picked as like, this is one of the worst things you could be, even though the Bible says you, you can't know, eat like seafood. A million things. Yeah. Are, yeah. Can't There's so many hair, things. Like, so many things. Right. Right. I feel like Orthodox and Hasidic Jewish people are the only people I'm cool with being homophobic because I'm like, they're following all the rules. They're, <laughs> oh, yeah. They're keeping the hair on their temples run. They're not eating the foods. <laughs> right. Any <laughs> religious extreme. It's yeah, like, yeah. Fine. Right. I'm like, <laughs> right. well, if you're going to follow all those things, I guess it makes sense, you know. But then if you're, if you're the people in, the U.S. who seem to be breaking a lot of the rules and just picking the ones that, that don't agree with them. Yes. Yeah. Hypocrisy, I think, is one of like the strongest American traits we have. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I didn't grow up with religion, so I this is all, you know, very interesting for me to hear. I am, I guess, blessed that I didn't have that like discrimination from my family because they like are from Iran and they fled in a revolution. There was a revolution that made like Islam mandatory and it like was very Islamic extremism. So they, the way they reacted to religion was just like, we're against it because it ruined our country. So mm-hmm. I was interested in religion. Like, you know how people rebel against their religion if they're super, you know, strict in their upbringing with sure. it. My way of rebelling was like, I'm going to read the Bible and I'm going to read the Quran and religion's cool, mom. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> such a different <laughs> angle to it. Yeah. Mm. Before you came out, were there people in your life? Like, I remember I was very drawn to gay people I knew before I came out. But then I was at the same time, I would say kind of 
butch phobic, but it was because I was scared because I knew that there was something about butch women that appealed to me. Like I felt like, oh, we have something in common and that scares me. So I'm going to, you know, act like I'm not one of them. Mm. See, I was butch. Like I dressed like a boy all throughout high school. I used to try to make my voice deeper. Yeah. And so I was the one who was dealing with people being afraid of me. You know? ah, yeah. Like I walk into a bathroom and women are like, what are you doing in here? You're not supposed to be in here. You know, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. But my struggle was not necessarily approving of homosexual marriages. Mm. I thought it was odd. And I'm like, how, like balance wise, you know, role wise, how does that work? Yeah. I thought it was like, that's not how things are supposed to be. It's supposed to be man and woman. Yeah. Men do this role. Women do that role. Yeah. And so before... If there's no man, who's going to be emotionally cut off in the relationship? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or just from the strength standpoint, yeah. you know, like, well, what's going to happen if me and this woman walk down the street and somebody tries to attack us? You know, like, oh, sure. I thought, oh, you, you need a man. And so mm. before I embraced and while I was married to a man, that's when I realized, OK, well, it's possible for this not to be natural because it didn't feel natural to me being married to a man Mm -hmm. so it wasn't until I married a man that I started being open to the idea of you know women being married to women and men being married to men because it's it's just it's a feeling that it's a personal thing yeah it's not determined by what the bible or whatever whatever traditional standards say should be was your husband kind of onto you like did he know something was up or that well I had a conversation with him yeah when we started dating because so many people knew already. He was like the first man that I did everything with virginity, lost wow. my virginity. Uh, before him, I was just fooling around with women Yeah. until I met him. And then I looked at him as like my savior. I'm like, oh, okay, this is the man God has sent me mm-hmm. to make me normal. Oh. And so I felt like he was my knight in shining armor. I'm yeah. like, okay, this is what I've been praying for because I, I didn't want to be gay because I thought it was wrong. And so when he that's came along, every guy thinks that they can be for a lesbian. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's right. woman. Yeah. They're I'll like, I'll you. be the one. <laughs> yeah. And so when he came along, I was like, OK, well, this is it. Now I'm saved. I'm going to go to heaven. And so I told him that I had experiences with women, you know. Now, I did not tell him they had been for my entire life. Mm-hmm. I didn't say that. I just said I had experiences with women. Like maybe it was a phase. Yeah. But actually, he was the experiment, you know, like. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was the first guy that I had done everything. I was, I was, everything was new, you sure. know? Giving head, sex. Yeah. All that shit was new for me, you know? Then got into the marriage, and I really was like, oh, shit, this is a big mistake, you know? Because really, I was, I kind of felt like he was like a Christmas toy. You know how you get a Christmas toy, and you like it for a couple months, and then you kick it under the bed, and you don't care about it anymore. <laughs> That's kind of how... It turned out because I was so intrigued with this idea of being with a man because I had never been with one. And then sure. a few months into it, I was like, oh, I don't like this at all. <laughs> like, I want to go back to women. So I cheated Did with you... a woman. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And is that what ended the, the marriage? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he wasn't like, you want to do a threesome? No, he was like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. It's like, stop being a quitter. But no, <laughs> you know, I cheated on him with a woman because I wasn't supposed to be with him in the first place. Right. So Yeah. How old were you when that happened? 26, 27. Were you in the military then? Yes. He and okay. I met in the military. Uh, right. I met him in the military. And in the military, from my understanding from people I know who have served, that there is a lot of pressure to be married among people serving. Is that something that you felt? Mm, possibly. Well, because the benefits are so the good. the benefits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's why. <laughs> yeah. The benefits are so good. You yeah. know, you get all these different allowances and stipends yeah. once you are married. So financially, you know, it's a business decision. Yeah. Yeah. But when I was in, when I first got in, I got in when I was 18. That was like 2005. Don't Ask, Don't Tell was in full force. Yeah. And so it was like, when I was in basic training, a couple of girls actually just came out and was like, we're gay so they could go home. Like, they did it on purpose. Wow. <laughs> you know? Were they really gay? I don't know. <laughs> I just I just remember them saying they didn't want to be at basic training and that was their way out. So wow. I was like, I'm gay. And they're like, okay, you dismissed. So wow. that was the thing. But now it's, it's not so much. Yeah. Man. How long were you um, in the military for? Like, what year did you... Nine years. So I was in from 18 to 27. And that's right around the time, you know, me and my ex-husband started having issues. And we were in the same unit on top of that. 
it sounds like, yeah, this is not going to work. We're not going to be able to get divorced and still be in the same unit. So, Oh, yeah. It's yeah. awkward. Man. Very awkward. <laughs> it's crazy that, I mean, between like living in Mississippi, growing up in the church, and then being in the military, it's like all the odds were working against you for mm-hmm. like embracing life as, as a queer person. Yeah, you are a true lesbian yeah. to have yeah. made it through all those tests. Yeah. <laughs> right, and I had to hide it while I, while I was in basic training So right. because I didn't want to get kicked out. Right. But there were women trying to holler at me at basic training, and I was like, no, yeah. I like penis. I was lying, but I didn't want right. to get, I, I didn't want to get kicked out. So oh, I man. had to lie all throughout basic training. And one day I remember my drill sergeant just asked me out of the blue did I like women it was the weird it was so random and I was like no of course not you know and turns out later he was trying to holler too but I had to I had to keep that under wraps for so long but I also had to think about this don't ask don't tell thing like this idea that if someone was open about their sexuality that it would somehow compromise military missions I think that's what it was you know like please don't say you're gay or we won't be able to take the terrorists down. And I'm like, well, that that shouldn't be a thing. Well, I feel like that's what leads to like a lot of internalized homophobia. Like even once you're out, like I know for me, sometimes I get uncomfortable when my wife makes it clear that we're two gay women when we're somewhere, especially in front of people who are doing their jobs. And I have this weird rule with her. I'm like, you can't kiss me in front of people who are doing their jobs because I'm either afraid they're just going to like screw us over somehow or oh, if they're you like know. handling your food. Yeah. Just like mm. anything like that. I'm like, I don't want people to know. And it, but it is this thing of like thinking that me just being who I am and my wife and I doing things that every married couple does are going to make people uncomfortable. And then that's going to mess up their day. And I'm so afraid of that. And it's so unfair. Yeah, Yeah, that sucks. But I know what you're talking about. Yeah. My girlfriends always try to make out on the subway. Or like not make out, but she's very affectionate, very big on PDA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Is yours too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I'm just like looking at everyone else on the train and like they look strong. They look strong. They look strong. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know who's going to be triggered. Yeah, yeah. But in my mind, part of me is like, oh, no, this is this is a bad thing. So other people can't know about it, even as, you know, the the co-host of a podcast called Diking Out. And I'm like very (laughs) clearly a gay comedian. And it's, you know, I feel like there's nothing wrong with it. But yet in front of other people, that's still like a hurdle that sometimes I'm not even aware of until I see myself give my wife kind of the side eye like don't yeah you know mm-hmm. like it happened this morning we were in the airport and they were asking if we wanted our seats together or like two aisles one in front of the other and she's like I love you a lot but I'm like why are you saying you love me in front of this man he can't know you love me and she's like lots of people can love each other calm down oh man <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Two well, two things. I feel much less afraid to be open in New York than I did in Mississippi. Yeah. I mean, there's no Confederate flags around here. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> like, if they are, they're in somebody's closet. They're yeah. not yeah. on the damn subway. Yeah. But I feel uh, when we are in Mississippi, I, I still am a little self-conscious. Just yeah. because I have a very large church following at home. Yeah. And some people sense. may not know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, my girlfriend's from the South, um, from North Carolina, but like grew up in the country. And every time I go down for Christmas, I get so tense and act like a completely different person in the relationship than I do when I'm up here. Mm-hmm. Very afraid to like hold her hand or like even like walk close enough to her. But then on the flip side, I got very drunk this last Christmas and I'd been repressing it so much that I didn't want to hide it anymore that apparently I just kept going up to her on Christmas Eve in front of her whole family like they voted for Trump and everything mm. and just kept going, "Kiss me in front of your family." <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Like repeatedly. <laughs> you do it now. <laughs> they better see some tongue yeah. around. And then I like sober up the next day. I'm like, walk five steps behind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so dumb. Yeah. Did you uh, see? I think it was a story in London. There was a, a woman couple that they got attacked. On I the saw subway. that. On the bus. Yeah. I saw those pictures. 
bloody horrifying that made me afraid yeah. you know and it does make you think twice about just being open and like you said triggering people people but i'm also like well i have to normalize it too like i have to play my role in the normalization of it as well right. and not continue to be controlled by people's stupid fears right yeah right riding the subway as a queer person is super stressful mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like there's just this internal battle yeah. going on the whole time i mean i was surprised when i first moved to new york how often i read about hate crimes against gay people and most of them were against men and and trans women. Mm-hmm. There's a writer who writes like a lot of articles and re- reviews on media for Autostraddle, uh, Heather Hogan. She's more on the butch side, but not in a way that you would pick her out of a crowd in Brooklyn and be like, there's a lesbian, you know? Yeah. And somebody said like, I want to punch your dyke face to her like on the street the other day, just like in Brooklyn. Mm. And she was just like going about her business and like somebody used that word with her. And it's like, yeah, Jesus. That's we've learned, I guess, over the last three years um, that people are getting more emboldened and they're definitely out there. Um, And in the South, they're more, you know, overt about it. But Mm -hmm. here it's very covert until someone's triggered. And then now they feel free to increasingly like more and more lately. How was that with like politics and Mississippi too because I know religion plays a lot into like the conservative atmosphere but then I feel like politics is a whole other level yeah they're kind of uh they're kind of parallel because we have like the religious freedom bill it's like the religious freedom and some kind of act where the governor made it legal for churches to basically discriminate against gay people. So they, they go hand in hand in Mississippi. You right, know? right. Politics is used to reinforce the discrimination. Yeah. Yeah, and they use religion as, religion as an excuse. Like this idea that if it's against my religion, then I can deny you service. Yeah. You know, being gay is not a protected class in Mississippi. You can yeah. get fired for it. It sure. is not a protected class. So they go hand in hand. I mean, yeah. it's, it's pretty sick. Even if you again are you know you're comfortable with your identity and you know who you are and you're you're proud of that it's still hard to fight subconsciously when laws are saying like oh you're a fireable offense just for being yourself Mm -hmm. like that's crazy and like to overcome all of that and i'll be honest (sighs) you know in certain rooms when i'm doing comedy yeah i was just gonna ask about that i'm thinking twice yeah i mean Black rooms are harder to mm-hmm. do gay material in. My girlfriend used to go up a lot at this um, club on the south side of Chicago called Jokes and Notes. And she, it was like her home club. She really came up there and she was closeted when she started. And then she came out as bi. And then she slowly was like, oh no, I'm a lesbian. Did more and more jokes about it. And the club owner was just like, hey, if you want to keep going up at this club, you have to cut all the gay material out. Wow. Like you just can't even do it. Wow. <laughs> And she stopped working that club, and that was, like, her main gig at the time. Yeah. Well, I want to applaud her for that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, cut to, we just ran into this club owner in um, Los Angeles, and she was like, oh, I recognize you or something. I was like, I'm Allie Clayton's girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, oh, so nice to meet you. And she's just like, Allie's doing really well now, so she's, like, claiming her as one of her babies that she, Mm. like, helped Mm. bring up. But it's like... You know, you like totally abandoned me. Yeah. And there's still a lot of Southside comics in Chicago, uh, or not a lot, but definitely a few that are in the closet and will not come out because then they can't play those rooms. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's such a battle for me because part of me thinks like, okay, I'm betraying myself if I'm not honest on stage. Sure. But also the idea of reading the room, you know, because in certain rooms, I'll do church jokes. Yeah. In certain rooms, I'll do racial and political jokes. So it really just varies. You know, if I get into a room and I kind of feel like, okay, my gay material won't work in here. Maybe it's just that. Or am I looking too deeply into it? Yeah. You know, my battle is like, should I just do it? Because the material is a part of who I am. It's my identity. It's my real life experiences, which is what you talk about in comedy. Right. Or... Should I just read the room and figure out when and when not to do quote unquote gay material? Right. I right. don't know. It's a battle for me. Yeah. Well, I think here in New York, you'll have a lot of opportunities to kind of test out that balance and, 
yeah, I struggle with the same thing too and how I talk about it and look at people like Wanda Sykes is a big inspiration for me and mm-hmm. the way that she talks about mm-hmm. her life is if it's kind of like you, you almost forget that she's gay. Like she does it in such a masterful way, but she'll talk about like her wife mm-hmm. yeah. and make some jokes that are like very on point about the fact that, that she's a gay woman. But it's, I don't know. It's in a way where, where I feel like people stick with it. It feels normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she doesn't it feels make it normal. a thing. And it's yeah. not like, oh, listen to how weird I am because I'm gay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of my jokes are like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, but, you just have to find a balance, yeah. I guess. At this point, like, there's also the other side of it in Brooklyn where it's like, it feels like everyone's gay and they're just like, oh, another gay comic. It's just oh, like, I know. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do shows that aren't even queer shows and I'm like, wow, I'm the third lesbian. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a hat trick. Oh yeah, that's uh, how we met. Yeah. I remember I met Carolyn. <laughs> I, we were booked on the same show and she went up before me and I went, God damn it. I know, I know. Yeah. They all get nervous. <laughs> they're like, they're going to take my lesbian yeah. joke. Yeah. Because <laughs> there are only so many punchlines to follow I'm gay I know and then you say your thing and it's like <laughs> that has mm. happened to me since I've been here like somebody's yeah. gone up before me and said a joke similar to some something I have and I'm like damn it I can't do that one yeah. <laughs> right and it also makes me think well I need to dig deeper and stop grabbing the low-hanging fruit yeah and grab you know go b- beyond the surface yeah. instead of just grabbing you know the first thing that comes to mind when you're telling a joke okay what is behind that yeah, layer getting even yeah. more specific yeah and like inherently you mm-hmm. the craziest one like that for me was that it was just an open mic and i went up before iman el husseini and i want to say el solomon but that's yeah. her act when she performs <laughs> with her wife but yeah iman el husseini came up after me and in both of our sets we talked about being married gay women who are from Montreal <laughs> Wow, with like a foreign parent. I'm like, okay, if there's any more that like we need to meet and discuss who, yeah. who gets to talk about what here. <laughs> yeah. 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 Her and her wife performed together. And I remember Allie and I were like, <sighs> like we wanted to do something like as a couple. And it's like one's Middle Eastern one's, you know, why? <laughs> like, oh, that's yeah. already a thing here. New York has every type <laughs> of comic already. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Okay, who's ready for a true story? When I entered my MFA program this fall, I knew I was going to have so little time for cooking. So I wanted a solution that would let me have tasty, healthy meals in a flash so that after class, I could still have time and energy to be gay. So I signed up for Factor, which ships you ready to eat meals that are chef created and dietitian approved. They're fresh, never frozen, so all you have to do is stick them in the microwave for two minutes, and then they're nice and done. Um, The weekly menu has over 35 options. The salmon entrees are always my personal favorite, but they have um, a lot of things you can choose from, options for different dietary needs like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. They also have add-ons for when you don't need an entire meal. Um, I tried some good cookies and some jerky. Uh, No prep, no mess, and when I looked into it financially, which was one of my main concerns, it was actually less expensive than uh, takeout and honestly really close to the cost of buying ingredients at the grocery store down my block in New York City. Uh, And then I saved a lot of time. So to me, it was definitely worth it. Did I mention that the meals are also really delicious? Like I've yet to try one that I didn't like. So if that sounds good to you, I think you should give it a try too. Head to factormeals.com slash dykingout50 and use code dykingout50 to get 50% off. That's code dykingout50 at factormeals.com slash dykingout50 to get 50% off. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. You know, one thing I was thinking about with internalized homophobia is a lot of time when people are homophobic, we'll look at them and be like, yeah, that's because they're gay. And it's internalized homophobia. And something reminded me of this recently. And it was at the Iowa caucus, that video, I don't know if you saw it, of somebody voted for Pete Buttigieg Mm -hmm. and then found out that he was gay and was like, wait a minute, can I take my vote back? Can I change it? And the person who was for Pete's campaign was like, well, I'd have to check because you've already signed the paper. But, you know, uh, he's human, just like you and me. Yeah, and I she's just like, saw this. But has he read the Bible? And uh, she's like, yes, he's read the Bible and he's religious and he thinks that God doesn't have a political party. And mm-hmm. like, but this woman was like insistent. That's like, oh, well, this all went down the toilet. I liked him until I found out he had a same sex partner. Now, this woman looks like she looks a, pretty butch. Yeah, she is a card. <laughs> she is a card carrying dyke like looks but it's also kind of that midwestern old woman, you mm. know, they all have a certain white look. white women. Yeah. They're sturdy women. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. They look like they like to sit on logs and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It was just like crazy to see that. So my first thought was like, all right, you're just mad that you're not living with a same sex partner or whatever. <laughs> but then that's kind of a dangerous line of thinking because that's like denying that actual homophobia is a thing. If you start saying like, oh, everyone who's homophobic is just because like they're a little gay and like self-hating and then it's only like gay people who are too scared to be honest who are like mean and homophobic when actually there's so much real homophobia in this country yeah after the election there were so many mike pence jokes you know about oh, right, him being right, gay. right and i used to have material about it yeah and i haven't done any like kind of internalized homophobia jokes because i got absolutely chewed out by a trans comic in chicago who's like you're perpetuating nonsense like stop doing that you're not helping the community blah 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 but i do think he's gay (laughs) so i'm like afraid to go there uh, with comedy at least yeah it's something i didn't think much about until i started hearing people call it out and i'm like oh that is kind of a problem to like deny like the real homophobia that exists and just act like it's the calls coming from inside the house every time yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. I think it's probably a mixture of both though sure sure like sometimes people are projecting and they're not dealing with feelings right you know and so the response to that is just to be angry and violent and yeah instead of dealing with how you feel you want to take it out on somebody who has the the boldness to live a life you know that's true to them so especially if you're religious because a lot of the thinking is like sure people have homosexual feelings but that doesn't mean you can act on them because Mm -hmm. like god doesn't want you to to act on them and that's a sin and that's bad so don't do that so a lot of the people who are condemning it are people who have had those feelings and have had to shut them down so yes it is a really real thing but Mm -hmm. at the same time that's like a broad stroke to to paint people with it's just hard when they look like they've been driving a subaru their whole life lived in a subaru (laughs) she had quite the haircut yeah Um. also i don't know i know i've talked about this before and i'm not i'm not a mayor pete supporter i i don't think he should be president if it comes to it i'll obviously vote for him but man people hate him like people are so mean (laughs) Gay people hate him. Gay people hate him so much. And like, really? I, Why? I just saw there's a group 
that's gays against Buttigieg. Um, so many. I think it's scarier as a gay person now to come out as a Buttigieg supporter than it is to come out as gay, honestly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Billy Eichner had a tweet that that was just like pretty benign. That's like, hey, you don't have to like the guy or want to vote for oh, him or that. support his policies to admit that there's something that's pretty big and like important about the fact that we had a gay man perform so well in the the Iowa caucus and historic and then people were just like um check yourself he's like you know a privileged man blah 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 and he passes for straight I'm like okay now like we're hating on him because he passes for straight like well he's he was in the army too and he had to stay in the closet for so long so he had a lot of internalized homophobia as well that he's like actively undoing I listened to this long interview with him the New York Times like the daily sure And, and people are criticizing him for like not kissing his husband on the mouth Oh my god! Uh, yeah, and I'm like, okay, sorry. Like, not everybody. Like, I, I get it. I get that he's like, hey, it's pretty big and bold enough that I'm here as like this out gay man running for for president and bring my husband around to every campaign event. That, like, yeah, like mm-hmm. I don't have to be slipping him tongue or like passionately <laughs> kissing him. Meanwhile, Joe Biden's just Frenching his granddaughter. <laughs> <laughs> you guys see that? <laughs> Oh, oh God! This is his family. Yeah. On the mouth. so much more hate for for Buttigieg. I don't know. I mean, it's so I, hard to please certain people. Like, yeah, I, I just feel like for some folks, nothing will ever be enough. Sure, you know, sure. if he kisses the man on the mouth, the next thing's gonna be like, why you didn't grab his ass? Like, it's right, it's, right, right. It's gonna be something. You can't satisfy everybody. I think that there's a lot of like valid criticism, but also not in a way that you have to be like, Pete Buttigieg is a Republican or like, he's the worst. I'm like, oof, is he? Because there are a lot of people right now who feel like the worst and he's not one of them. Yeah. Like, yeah. Again, not my choice, but. He's moderate. So is Obama, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's dangerous to do that to like turn, try like end up turning people against your best interests. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. Once you start getting that narrative out there, then the other side is going to pick it up and yeah. then it gives them steam. So I'm like, sometimes you just have to have conversations off of the damn Internet. Yes. So, <laughs> you know, so you don't disrupt your whole bottom line. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just not beneficial. It's not productive to be doing that stuff, criticizing him like that. And then you're going to wonder why the current president gets voted in again because oh, you, you know you picked everybody else apart unnecessarily man i'm terrified that's been consuming uh when i was like thinking of things to talk about up top on the episode i'm like hmm, what's been going on in the gay world i'm like i don't know i've just been <laughs> yeah same. reading the news compulsively and like <laughs> being afraid uh <laughs> i know this is a dumb question not dumb, but just silly. Did you ever watch The L Word? It's, okay. Yeah. So, That's not a dumb question. Not dumb, but it's just like, it's a corny question. <laughs> I just watched it today. My, for the first time? Not for the first okay. time. My current beauty is obsessed <laughs> with The L Word. Okay. And so when we met, she put me on it and we binge watched it for a while and then I kind of lost interest. Sure. And then yeah. just yesterday, she's like, oh. The word is on Showtime. It's a new season and all that. So we started watching it again today. Interesting. Where are you at in it? Some lady is a politician and she just signed her daughter up for public school and had that wonderful okay, speech. Okay, so you're on Chen Oh, Q. you're on the reboot. The new, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, I meant um, the old one, but you were like we binging watched that, too. that. Yeah. So yeah. basically, I was curious if you had seen the character Tasha and her storyline. She was the police officer. I kind of remember. It's vague, though. Okay. Vaguely remember her. Why <laughs> Why do you ask? I just wanted to know um, if you, like, had, like, connected with her in any way. Uh, um, there's a lot of internalized homophobia. She's very... She's in the military, too. Yes. Yeah, she starts off mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Um, and it's around Don't Ask, Don't Tell that season, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was just curious if you had okay. any thoughts on Tasha, but... Yeah, I'll do some, <laughs> I'll do some more character research, okay. I'm sure. But I'll tell you what, I do keep getting mistaken for Samir Wiley for some reason. Oh, Yeah. Huh. Folks are, like, inboxing me. <laughs> lady was like, I loved your episode where you kissing the woman on the show, and I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And I think Samira kissed a woman... 
on some show. It might have been Orange is the New Black or some other show she's oh, on. on Will and Grace. She That's what Karen. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was is... mistaken for her. I got several yeah. inbox messages like, yo, yeah. that was a great episode. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I go Google and I'm like, hey, hey, hey. Yeah. We're the same shade. But, you I, I was going to say you're similar in stature. Yeah. But not but like, facial features. Yeah, not yeah. so much that I was mistaken. <laughs> yeah, so I got credit for that episode. Yeah. And just yeah. know that I'm absolutely I mean, not it. saying that you look like Tasha from the L Word. <laughs> yeah, she better yeah. be fine too. When I, um, she's, oh, she is. She's hot. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. She's yeah. fine. Um, but <laughs> she has a very similar background. Okay. Yeah. Cool, yeah. cool. More from a storyline perspective mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, all right, I'll check that out. Yeah. You are a musician. Yes. Right? Do you write like non-church type of like original personal songs? Yeah, I write a, a, a mixture of things. I wrote my mom a gospel song. She's an amazing gospel singer. So I, I wrote her a song as a gift, a Christmas gift a couple years ago. Love that. And uh, we we're kind of wrapping that up in studio. But I also write satirical songs and they have been doing very well. Oh, yeah? I wrote uh, Donald Trump is a Racist and that one has over a million views. I wrote uh, Trump is in Love with Putin. That one is like <laughs> 3.8 million views. Oh, and then my big song that I wrote last year is Rock Me Like a Pothole. So Jackson, Mississippi is very well known for its potholes. <laughs> yeah. And so I said, you know what? I want to write something funny to kind of change the narrative, this negativity everybody's talking about. And so I wrote a song like Rock Me Like a Pothole, But Don't Leave Me on the Side of the Road. And I talk about waxing the axle. So it's like a bunch of car references that I don't even know what they mean. Um, but the song is like doing freaking amazing. You know, uh, yeah. I've, I've been invited to perform it at concerts. But I have written for R&B artists as well. And uh, some of my songs are on folks' CDs and things like that. Well, that's so, cool. Yeah. So songwriter, that's a newer area of music for me. Yeah. Uh, the big thing that I've been doing for my whole life is playing the drums. Yeah. The drums. And that, yeah. that's what you did in the military, right? Yes, I was yeah. in the army band. Yeah. yeah. You, you should join the Dyke Marches <gasps> drumming group. Have you yes. been to a, like a pride parade or any kind of like lesbian march and seen just like... I've not uh, had the honor yet. Drumming group. <laughs> the, yeah. What the are they drummers? called? Okay. Yeah. They're like playing this one kind of rhythm uh-huh. in sync the whole time. They drum the whole dyke march. The dyke march here, while marching. Yeah. Wow, okay. Is a lot better than the pride parade. The pride parade is like very corporate and like mm. 19 hours long and <laughs> full of politicians and boring companies and you have to wait a while to to see the good stuff. There's okay. a lot of filler. The dyke march is just a bunch of queer people. I mean, you have to identify as a dyke is the only thing and allies on the side yeah. and they have the, I don't think they're called Dykes with Drums. No, but no, that's no, just no, what no. I, it's like, but that's, <laughs> that would be a cool name. Though. <laughs> right. They're drumming in it like, it's like the heartbeat of the march, but they, and, but they pumped. also have, um, they have like a queer band that plays at a certain point on, oh. on the side, which I think the wife of past guest Ariel Duham Ross, uh, she, I want to say plays the clarinet in that band now, which I think nice. is really cool. But yeah, you should, you should look into that. I it's some pretty awesome. Uh, it just gets drumming. everyone so excited. They're um, the MVP of the Dyke March. They are. <laughs> I remember just seeing girls crying (laughs) just at like how moved they are and just like bopping their heads to the beat the whole time. It's great. And they drum. I mean, it's not just the Dyke March that they do. They actually drum regularly. I have not played any music since I've been here in New York. And so that is killing me. Yeah. It's been a while since I played drums because I am I used to play with my mom every Sunday, every other Sunday in church. But I have not played since I've been here. Uh, I have played at home, you know, in Mississippi, but not... In New York. Around this time last year, I was getting ready to go to Africa with the uh, American Music Abroad program in the U.S. Embassy. They picked like 15 bands out of 200 to go be like a cultural exchange ambassadors. And so I got to go with a band to Nigeria and Tanzania in Africa last year. And that was amazing. Oh, so that was like the biggest thing that has ever happened to me in music. Yeah, that's, that was great. That's incredible. incredible. Mm-hmm. That's such a good program. I have heard of that program before, I think on like a CBS Sunday morning segment because right. I'm an old lady. And, uh... yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. So you got like kind of tribal drums, but then you got R&B. Mm-hmm. Have you ever written like a smooth R&B song with a lady in mind? <laughs> <laughs> well, I will be pretty soon. Uh, yeah, Melody new, a... needs new songs for her sex, <laughs> sexy times play. 
playlist. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting old. I got you. Wait, you came out though recently, right? Yeah, last because, September. Yeah. Wow. In your, yeah. I remember yeah. in your set, it seemed like it was very recent. So very recent. you're undoing the internalized homophobia, like still actively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How is that with your family? Because it sounds like you and your mom are, are so close. And one of the ways that you're close in your relationship is, is through the church. So that must be. Yeah, that has been kind of like a taboo thing over the years. I told her that I liked women in 10th grade. Mm -hmm. I remember. And I told her on church grounds because I was like, well, she can't get mad at me on church (laughs) grounds. And I told her and I remember she said, "Okay, well, I don't condone it, but I'm not going to treat you any differently. And then for years we didn't talk about it, but I was still dressing like a boy, extremely boyish. And I knew that she wanted me to be feminine, you know, be prissy because she's extremely prissy and feminine. And I know she wanted me to get a man. So when I finally got a husband, oh, she, she was like over the moon. Right. You know, like my wedding was lit. I came in on a horse. <laughs> he could have been missing five teeth and she would have been like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it did help because he was he was gorgeous, you know. So yeah. she's like, oh, yeah, you got a good man. Yeah, yeah. And at the wedding, it was like most of the guests were hers. Like the way... <laughs> It was it was something. It was yeah. for her. Yeah. 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 And when we got divorced, she was crushed. And so we had to get back into that conversation. Yeah. This is not who I really am. I tried it. Yeah. I didn't like it. It didn't work. You know, I hurt him in the process. I hurt myself in the process but by not being true to myself. And so come last September at the show, I didn't tell but like three people that I was going to come out, come out. Because it had always been an assumption you know, of course, people from high school and some people in college knew. Sure. But all these new fans that I developed since I became a comedian, a yeah. lot of them did not know. And so I know I had church folks and all that at my shows. There were two big sold out shows. And I said, you know, I'm just going to do it because I'm getting ready to leave anyway. And, yeah. And uh, I did it. I didn't tell my mom I was going to do it. She was on the front row <gasps> and she's crying. Just crying. Oh. Yeah. So we've had to have that conversation since then, you know, because I'm trying to be empathetic and understand where she's coming from uh, because this is something she hasn't had experiences with. You know, she's never done anything on the homosexual front. So she just doesn't understand it. But, you know, she's trying to have compassion and understanding for me because I'm her daughter and we are extremely close. So that's what I was talking about earlier, that conflict between what your religion says and what you know to be true from your daughter who you love, you know, who you going to choose. Right. You know, uh, so right now we're fine. We're at peace. Yeah. You know, uh, but I know she would rather me be with a man. Yeah. Know? Just because of all the scrutiny and the backlash that can come with it. Because right after I came out, she had to go to church the next yeah. day. And a lot of my church members were at the show. And she's like, I'm paranoid. I feel like they're looking at me, you know, and I'm like, so what? Yeah. You know, she's like, I feel like they're talking about me. I'm like, so what? They're yeah. going to talk about you regardless. You know, she's 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 yeah. young. She's fine. She's attractive. They already talk about she thinks she all that. I'm like, it doesn't <laughs> matter. It doesn't matter. Folks are always going to have something to say. Right. Yeah. Isn't that church culture? Yes. Right. <laughs> Just but I'm like talking about each other. Their comfort is not more important than my happiness. You right. Know? So we're we're getting through it, but she's very loving, very supportive. Yeah, you know, it's just a challenge. So I'm I'm trying to be empathetic as well and compassionate. Yeah. That's awesome. I can tell, like from how you talk about her, how close you must be. And all parents, they their mind goes to like safety, and mm-hmm. if it's something new for them, they wonder, you know, what are people going to say? And it's a whole new thing, and it just takes time for them to realize, oh doesn't matter or seeing you be happy with someone who you love and who's right for you and then it can click and make it easier and sometimes yeah it just takes time but that's really awesome that you did that that's so cool because like you said it's so important for people to see that and realize like oh well I thought this person was awesome before Mm -hmm. they're still awesome now Maybe yeah. it's okay. Maybe it's not a big deal. You did that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. You did a show with yeah. most of the people from your church and your mom in the front row. That's so brave. That, yeah. yeah. I'm going to post it. I'm going to post it on social media. Oh, uh, yeah. Because I waited until oh, the very end of my set to do it. And I basically said, I contemplated talking about this, but I have your money already, so fuck it. Ah. And I'm like... <laughs> You know, if this makes you not want to be my fan anymore, then you weren't a fan in the first place. And so Boom. then I just go into it. Wow. And I literally got a like a 20 second applause after I said it. You yes. Know? And so and then I got so many messages. Thank you for coming out. 
you know, my daughter is going through the same thing, you know, yeah. kind of educated me. So it was, it was way, it was way deeper than just coming out for me, you know? Right. I did it because I, I want to be an activist and I want to inspire and help people be themselves and see that somebody who's in the limelight is doing it, you know? Yeah. And so you can be yourself too. Yeah. yeah. So glad you did it while you were still there. Instead yeah. of just like, you know, sneaking off to New York and then like <laughs> coming I thought out. About then, that. I know. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, that's what I did. <laughs> that's what you did. I mean, I yeah, I went to Chicago from Connecticut and then just like came out over the phone <laughs> to my wow. family. A, a long distance coming out. Yeah. You love long distance. I do. <laughs> <laughs> now I have not told my grandmother. Oh but, yeah, I wasn't allowed to tell my grandma. Yeah. That was the one person I wasn't allowed to come out to. Isn't that funny? Because I, I feel like me too, like felt very brave and like, I don't care if everyone knows, except I'm not except gonna talk directly to I grandma don't about want it. To make their heart stop, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> like that's the thing that I'm being told is gonna make her blood pressure rise. And, yeah. That's, you don't wanna have a story. I'm like, well, don't put that on me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. want that. But it's not true. That's what they told my wife about her dad. They're like, he has a bad heart, you can't tell him. And he's very Catholic and, you know, lives in Peru. So the culture there is more conservative about um, homosexuality. And he was amazing about it. And he was probably better about it than all the people telling her not to tell her dad. Like, Mm. he was like, yeah, I kind of I kind of knew. And it's so great for like, she feels like she could be honest and it brought them closer. It's not always like that. I have to, you know, yeah. it's a case by case scenario. This actually brings us into our listener question, which I think we got the perfect listener question for this episode. Mm-hmm. This is from a listener in South Africa. We love getting international questions. Woo-hoo, so thank you yeah. for writing in. Hey. So this Easter holiday, my brother, who is 32 and seven years my senior, is planning to come out as gay to our mother. My question is, as my brother is planning on coming out, do I join him? I, too, happen to be a raging homosexual, (laughs) the resident lesbian. So do we have a joint coming out? I've been ready to come out for years because this heterosexual cosplay is draining. Oh, we know. A little backstory. My aunt a few years back had a relationship with a woman. My mother, being a stereotypical church lady, did not handle it well. When I say she did not handle it well, I mean she was in tears, crying, praying loudly, asking God why for weeks. While her prayers were answered, the aunt broke up with that woman, and it was never discussed since. So... Having such an overly dramatic mother, do we tag team coming out? My mother has three children. Two are gay. I'm not sure how she would handle that. We're lucky to be born in one of the few African countries that doesn't have anti-LGBTQ laws, and we're ready to live our uncensored, loud, queer lives. (laughs) I love that. I say do it jointly. Yeah. Jointly, yeah. Me yeah. too. I agree. That'll, that'll be better than to shoot the gun once and then wait and blow. Oh, it's another just, bullet. Yeah, right. <laughs> Dragging out right. the saga, you know. Yeah. yeah, and for the support, you know, to to support each other. Yeah, you know, in in the moment, I think it'll be best to just do it. Yeah, because I I think if you if you staggered it. Then when you did it after the fact, she'd be like, is this just because of your brother? Or, you know, she yeah. might not think it's whereas if you both do it at the same time, then she might have to accept the reality that people are gay. And that doesn't mean that, you know, you've done anything yeah. wrong or there's any anything bad. And then you can the three of you can support each other as long as your brother is OK with you uh, taking sharing the spotlight, you know. Because mm-hmm. if he had like a whole <laughs> thing planned, uh, but it sounds like maybe you two might be on the same page and I don't think it's crazy at all. Yeah, don't risk your mom being like, you're only doing this because your brother's doing it right. and yeah. perpetuating the idea that, you know, there's like social influence that makes people gay. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and too, it will be more kind of like an undeniable thing if it's the both of you because if it is just the brother then she might be like oh maybe I can start praying again but if it's two <laughs> people that's like more praying than what's possible I don't know no uh, <laughs> right <laughs> well good luck but, to that listener yeah 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 I think I think it'll be fine let us know how it went down Please. and 
you know, maybe your mom can listen to Diking Out and know it's okay. <laughs> she can listen to this episode. This is a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For yeah, that. This is a good one. You can still have a great relationship. Your kids are going to be even, they're going to flourish. They'll be better than before. Maybe they'll move to New York. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for writing in. If you have a question, you can email us at dikingout at gmail.com. And if you are our patron on Patreon, your question jumps to the front of the line. Rita, thank you so much for being here and sharing all of that. I'm sure our listeners are going to hard relate to a lot of this. Well, so. I appreciate the invite and I love talking through things. Yeah. You know, because some, sometimes stuff just stays in my head. I may write it down, but it is uh, wonderful to, you know, be around a community. Yeah. I think the the queer community here is really, really embracing me. And it's wonderful because I've not always had that support in Mississippi. So thank you for having me. You'll have that here. And where can people find you on all the social media? I can't wait to look up these uh, satire songs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll tag you. At Rita Brent Comedy on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm the least active on Twitter. I'm the most active on Instagram and Facebook. So Rita Brent Comedy. That's R-I-T-A-B-R-E-N-T Comedy. And if you live in Connecticut, yeah, check I will out. be there in March. Uh, if you go on my page, it, it'll have uh, my schedule, Rita Brent Live. But I'll be there in March. I think it's the 14th with Cedric the Entertainer and JJ Williamson, who is also an amazing comedian from uh, Mississippi. But have amazing. a lot of shows coming up in New York. Uh, so if you follow me, you can see my latest schedule with all the dates on there. Amazing, amazing. Yes. Thank you so much. And Melody. Where can people find you? On the social meds, uh, at Melody Kamali. It was my New Year's resolution also to become more active on social media. I'm also just shit at Twitter, but I really (laughs) need to finally embrace social media and churn out that content. So help me get started, guys. And um, if so you want no TikTok for you, <laughs> no, I someone laughed in my face because I was like, how do I get my username to not be 50 numbers? <laughs> I'm like, sure. I am trying to figure out TikTok right now. I would love um, to TikTok. I went to school TikTok-ing? for video production. No, I'm not TikTok. <laughs> I, no. I have enough to deal We're with. We're too old. Yeah. Well, no, with the music. They're. <laughs> It's People, another thing to occupy my attention. I know. I know. It's it's a very, I feel like TikToking is a specific skill set, but there are people who are blowing up on TikTok. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm true. I'm just trying to get on Twitter. <laughs> like big yeah. steps. But yeah, if you want to see me live, I'll be at the Bell House uh, March 26th in Brooklyn and probably, honestly, loitering at the next Diking Out. Yes, <laughs> please do. Please do. What and you I have got. a new album I wanted to mention. Oh, uh, yeah. Wow. Sip yeah. on this tea is my nice. latest comedy okay. album. It has all the material about me coming out and my ex husband and the divorce and all that stuff. So amazing. Yeah, you can get it on Vimeo, uh, Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, iTunes. So Vimeo is the actual video, and then everything else is a music music digital platform. So sip with two P's. Sip on this tea is out now. Amazing. Yes. And if you go to the episode notes for that. I will make sure that we link to it so it's easy for you Susans to find it and you can follow me at TGI Carolyn but more importantly or equal importance follow at Diking Out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook not TikTok yet but you know it's still only February maybe we'll do it this I mean, 2020 is the year of TikTok hey. right? Yep. <laughs> well with that thank you for Diking Out and Dike Out and maybe TikTok with us next week bye bye, bye. You've probably heard the name Mary, Queen of Scots, and maybe you know the importance of her legacy to the British monarchy, but how much do you know about her life and what she was really like? For instance, did you know that she preferred to have her eggs scrambled, or that giving gifts was her love language? In my podcast, Vulgar History, we'll be talking about all that and more during an eight-part miniseries about the fascinating life of Mary, Queen of Scots. Vulgar History is a feminist women's history comedy podcast where we don't shy away from the messy, complicated lives of women from the olden times. Particularly with women in history, it's easier to use broad strokes to portray who they were, and it's like we forget they probably also had messy lives, complicated relationships, and maybe things weren't as black and white as they might seem in a textbook. But... I'm dedicated to sharing the sides of the stories we don't always hear, and each episode is supported by rigorous historical research. Turns out there's really something about Mary Queen of Scots. So be sure to turn into my series about Mary Queen of Scots and check out the other incredible women I've talked about while you're there. 
You can listen and subscribe to Vulgar History wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at vulgarhistory.com.